Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to The Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana, and with my boyfriend and co-host, Sean Tatro, we will be turning back the reels to 1997. A rescue crew investigates a spaceship that disappeared into a black hole and has now returned with someone or something on board. Ooh. Let's get into it. This morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon is the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Hello, hello, hello. Aura. 
We are back. Yep. And this week, we are heading into space. The final frontier. Oh, wrong movie. The not-so-final frontier. Not-so-final frontier. (laughs) This week, we are enjoying our podcasting time with Barissimo's Barissimo Coffee's Caramel Macchiato. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, I put English toffee in it. It tastes like crap. Sorry, guys. Fairly bland brew, if mm. I have to say. It's it's not... It's hot, wet coffee. It's hot, cold. black, and caffeinated. Yep. That's all we need. That's all we need. So today, we are covering Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. Why are we covering Event Horizon? I thought this was one of the greatest horror movies I ever saw at the time. I don't think so anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, before we dive into opinions, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Vent Horizon was a film, a science fiction horror film from 1997, um, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, not to be confused with Paul Thomas Anderson or Wes Anderson. <laughs> Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson is most infamously known now from the Resident Evil franchise. Woo! <sighs> this film was written by Philip Eisner, um, produced by Lawrence Gordon. Um, it was made on a budget of $60 million and brought in a box office return of only $42 million. So technically it was somewhat of a failure um this movie is most famous I think for it's all star cast um including Lawrence Fishburne Sam Neill Kathleen Quinlan um Jolie Richardson uh you've got how can you forget Lucius Malfoy (laughs) you've got Jason Isaacs you've got Jason Isaacs um Richard T. Jones as Cooper, uh, Jack Noseworthy as Justin, and, of course, the awesome Sean Pertwee as Smithy. (laughs) Or is it Smithy? Smith, but they call him Smitty a couple of times. Oh, okay. So, why was this so important to you to do for the podcast? So, this is one of, like, the real first horror movies I actually watched. This movie came out in 97, and I believe I was, like, 13 when it came out. Um, It was on HBO in, like, 98 or 99, if I remember. And we had HBO for a little bit, because they would do those free HBO weekends. And I distinctly remember going, what is this movie? I was alone. Nobody else was in the house. I watched it. I was terrified by this movie when I was a preteen. Terrified. Like, I was, what? 13, 14, almost 15 watching this movie. And I was like, oh my god, it's so good. So when I had known I loved it and I thought it was good. So during COVID, um, Scream Factory was putting out a special edition of the Blu-ray. And it was delayed for almost a year. Kind of for COVID. Kind of because they were trying to find the infamous hellscape scenes that were lost to the salt mines. 
they had a bunch of leads for a while and then it died and then things were happening and then it died and but it just reinvigorated that love for it for me and this is the second time I've watched it since I purchased it because it took like almost a year and a half to come in because I bought it pre-COVID in like January 2020 and it didn't come in until I lived here in like well, like, I would say January or February this year it came in. It took a very long time. So, um, yeah, when she says lost to the salt mine, she quite literally means literally. that. Literally. Um, this, this was, uh, this is a film that's very heavily regarded because of how graphic the... They're like the Captain like Log the death scenes. Se- yeah, yeah. The, the death scenes are, essentially. Yeah. Um, and in the final cut of the film, we... They're not really that bad. Um, however, uh, there's an infamy behind it because... There was a first cut there that was, was a, vetoed. There was a first cut that only a small audience saw that uh, was then heavily edited down. And that footage was, I guess, taken away and stored in salt mines. That's what they did with a lot of film reels back then. Um, and now... and. Nobody's been able to find it no. for like, all these got years. Damaged or stolen or lost. They had a lot of leads, and they were re- Screen Factory was really good about keeping everybody updated. Like they were convinced they had at least twenty minutes of new footage. They were convinced that they would be able to produce some of this for us. And when all the leads kind of went, people mm-hmm. actually pulled out of buying the pre-order for this. I was like, this is a great pre-order, but. Unfortunately, um, what we have is your basic theatrical cut of Event Horizon. Um, it does have a lot of stuff added to it. It does have a lot of bonus features. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, unfortunately, have the infamous cut yeah. that we have all hoped to see for all these years. But yeah. what I, can you do? Yeah, I will say that I have watched everything. I've watched the deleted scene, the extended scenes. There are a lot of extended scenes and deleted scenes that should have been in this movie. Really should have. There was the whole explanation of Weir in the beginning where he's called in by the person who's telling him what he's going to be doing. And Weir has the same reaction that Smith has. Like, no, 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 no. The Event Horizon's gone. It's lost. Stop. You know, just knock it off. Because it was kind of tied, in my opinion, to his self-worth and the reason why his wife is gone. So, like, it was a good scene and they took it out and I'm like why we'll more get into it when we discuss why I actually very much consider throwing this out a window now oh boy yeah like your I, opinion has changed that much in a year wow yes. okay I'm excited to get into this yeah it's, it's so kind of odd <laughs> for th- me this movie opens after a brief title sequence i guess you could call it and ridiculous with, 90s techno credits with a title card saying 2015 established a colony on moon 2015 huh that was i want to say seven six years ago what were we doing in 2015 absolutely nothing uh, nasa pretty much was in 2015 wasn't it there's no i think they were struggling for yeah. sure but like, there is no way that there's a colony on the moon. I, I love anyway. watching older movies now, and they, they use, like, these future dates that but, just don't make like, any sense. If you 
you're watching, say, Blade Runner in the 70s, 80s, and you're watching something older in the 60s, 2015 makes sense. This was 1997, guys. They had high hopes. Really stupid. <laughs> like, reading that made me go, I thought this was older. And then, like, now this, the Event Horizon goes missing in 2040. And then it shows back up in 2047. And I put, my note was exactly, oh my god, my phone shut off. Uh, I don't believe any of this is going to happen in, in our lives. None of this that we're seeing. Like, they're just, they just built the, I'm gonna fuck all this up. And it's only because of Big Bang Theory that I know half of this shit. The Hadron Collider. Yeah. In Switzerland. They just built that. They just, like, they've been testing it. And they have tiny, tiny little bits of evidence of dark matter. How are you going from 97, where this movie was made, to be like, oh, 2015, we made a colony on the moon. By 2040, we have a black hole generator and a ship? Well, they still can't get us to Mars. Like, they haven't even begun colonizing the moon at this point. Like, and they would wa- they want to. It's in there. The hope. Yeah, but we've got celebrities going on, you know. Excursions. Rocket ship excursions, <laughs> but you know, nothing to advance human civilization right now. So. No. This movie kind of. Well, this movie was very ambitious, I think, for the time. Uh, we have very early instances of CGI use in this. Which was. It's horrible. extremely noticeable. Horrible. Yeah. But at the time, it was the best way to show like, zero it, it, gravity. Yeah. And... But. I have I have a fight. Mr. Sam Neill was in another very famous movie in the 90s with CG. That CG was four years earlier, and it was a hell of a lot better. It was also a much larger budget than this film had. It's Steven Spielberg, for the love of God. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, he couldn't have just shirked some of the Resident Evil money and been like, hey, let's put a little more effort into this. No. I'm actually very mad at this movie. Um... This, but this movie, I have to say, is also one of the later instances of uh, a studio still using miniatures to for yeah, like spaceships. Yeah, the Event Horizon and the Lois and Clark are miniatures. That was a. I was really happy to see that. I love when miniatures are used. I think they look way better than CG and ships. And you can see it when they're clamping the Lois and Clark onto, because I'm like, that looks like. And it cr- clamps it so well. I'm like, that's really small miniatures. The details are really good. Well, that and uh, that's another moment where like a lot of the visual effects hold up pretty well in this movie. Yeah. Um, but there are a few that don't work quite well. No. Like when you first see the the Lewis and Clark come up to the event horizon and clamp on, it's very obvious that those are like composited shots yeah. together and. It. It's like they didn't use the Adobe Blur tool enough on the edges. <laughs> um, I never noticed, but the horror dream that Dr. Ware has in the beginning is a vision of himself in the future on the Event Horizon. I really? Always, yeah, if you it's it's not I thought it was the captain that he was seeing floating. It's not. If you pay attention, it's the same markings he has at the end of the movie. Oh, that I know. I just didn't know you didn't I know did that. I did not notice that. So that was one thing where I was like, oh, cool. I noticed something new about this movie. So the minute the Event Horizon came back, 
She knew who her dad was. Like, oh, you created me. Oh, you've had tragedy. Let's send really odd wavelengths to be like, here's your future. It doesn't make sense. It would have made more sense if he had a horror dream about his wife again. And that was bothering him. Not about the ship as a whole. Like, the ship doesn't even, like, come into mind yet. At that scene, he hadn't even been told the ship is back yet. That scene that was deleted is, like, a little ways afterwards. See, but I think that's part of the point. So, this movie's heavily ensconced in cosmic horror. Yes. It's that... That the elements of the unknown, the something greater than us that exists out there. Um, and I feel like that would have been the... Sh- like, he's getting a uh, feeling that something is wrong mm. before it ever happens. You know what I mean? It's like a premonition. It's like something from the void is speaking to him. I still don't think that should have been that soon. I think it was too soon. Okay. As somebody who took the time to watch the whole special edition that just came out. Yeah. And saw the deleted scenes and saw the extended cuts. It would have made better sense if they pushed it later and left that scene where he meets his superior. It would have made sense because he pro- he's not thinking of the event horizon at all. He thinks Vent Horizon's been lost. It's gone. It's never coming back. As is from a storytelling point, I think Paul Anderson missed a lot of steps. He did. He does with... Uh, I love Resident Evil. I do. I love all of the Resident Evils. They are stupid For fun. For some reason. They're stupid fun. They're not good storytelling <laughs> points. They're not. They're all over the place. This, his earlier movie, still all over the place. It should have been more of a cohesive story, and he's making mistakes from the first five minutes. That's true. Uh, the early moments of this film are very heavily reminiscent of Ridley Scott's Alien. The whole movie. Like, the sets, the scenes, the greens, the... Like, it's all... It's either Ridley Scott's Alien, or it's Hellraiser. That's all this... This movie is a calamity clash of both. That's all it is. Yes. There is very little original ideas in this movie, guys. That's my opinion. And wouldn't you know it, I would highly consider this to be Paul Thomas Anderson's only good film. (laughs) I've seen most of his stuff, and this is the only one I like to watch. And honestly, this time through... I didn't enjoy it as much. I was literally cleaning up and doing stuff while watching this. Because I've seen it a lot. I've seen it numerous times when I was younger. And I loved it. I loved every point of it. But now, you've ruined me. Now I've seen good horror. Now I've seen good movies and good ideas. And I'm like, this movie sucks. It does. It is not a good movie. And I know I'm going to get, like, bashed in the comments for this. But it's just like, I love this guy's work. I have. I have not watched Resident Evil in about a decade. And I watched the last one within the last five years with a friend of mine. And the only reason why I watched the last one is because there's a Korean actor in the last one that I really wanted to see. And he is not in much and he dies. So. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, I don't know his name, so I can't really spoil it that much for you. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I think 
I think growing up, this is definitely like a good introductory movie it to is. people, and I think that's why a lot of people end up liking it the way they do. This one, like for someone like me at least, who's heavily experienced with the genre and who watches more horror movies than I can count, watching it now, it, it's hard to really enjoy it the way I did then. Yeah. The the writing feels very. The writing feels very rushed, like slop, like a little bit sloppy. It's um, I don't know. It it doesn't uh, it doesn't play as well as I thought it did. The only way I can describe it is a seven year old kid coming home, going, "Oh my god!" So there was this kid on the playground, and then we started playing with these blocks, and then this other kid came up and they punched him, and we ran after him. But then I was more concerned about the blocks. But then I went after him. It's a little kid, like telling a story really fast but it's like oh hang on hang on what happened to get there wait 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 wait. reel it back a little like what's going on here like what why why aren't you using common sense like there are so many common sense moments in this movie where you're like even well, nor even other horror movies wouldn't do that i think if they had uh paced it out a little more and like taken their time mm-hmm. to really build the dread of everything i think it would play better today um, it goes right into the horror too fast. It really jumps straight in. Um, this one, I don't know. It, it, the elements are all there. Like I think all the cosmic horrors played really well. Like they, they build things enough, but it's just not what I want it to be now. The entity is not as scary as I'd like it to be. No, it's disturbing it it ticks every disturbing box i don't need disturbing that much i need horrifying i need psychologically horrifying for this like yeah the moments where you're like oh there's blood on the console then you see the fucking body parts and bits of all the crew members in the windows that's horrifying but that's it that's all you get like wait a minute there should be more there should be more of a mystery of like this psychological build up to that part it's just it's like oh look at this well that was too fat like I don't have a chance to be like oh my god yeah you were shocked when you first saw it but then you're like oh okay so then you get to they build up to this one scene of the raping and the grotesque and the murdering and the slow torture but that's it that's that's what everybody was worried about back then and they took 90% of that out completely you only see and you can't even pause it we've tried to do the pause thing where you catch things it doesn't pause right and you miss all of those good parts unless you've seen it over and over and over which I have yes you have I've I've seen maybe that part. I kind of like look away because I was like, oh, it's really gory. Now I get close to the TV going, oh, dude, yeah, he is smashing her from behind, isn't she? Like, and it's not. This was billed as one of the goriest and grossest movies you'd see because of those scenes, those hellscape scenes. I have seen worse on like late night cable TV now. Yeah. Times have definitely changed. Like, a lot of the stuff we watch these days has much more violent shit than this movie 
probably ever even hoped to have. Like, yeah, back in the 90s, this is gruesome, but now you're looking at it going, oh, didn't they do something like that on American Horror Story the other night? Like, <laughs> it's not it's not as crazy anymore. Um, I do, however, love the fact that he tries in the beginning to bring you to kind of like a horror suspense. There are small jump scares. There are small, like, what was that, moments that yeah. I'm appreciative. And you can see it in Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil as well, when you have those certain moments. But the the scares just come way too fast. It's like you don't have enough of that. You have this much buildup rather than this much. Yeah. And then you get right into the not it, non... it doesn't stop after it happens. Well... I don't know. I, I think one good thing that comes out of this film is the the visual design. Yes. The the sets are really They're well gorgeous. conceived. Like I think he actually based most of the design of the Event Horizon on like Gothic cathedrals. Yes. And he had actually said that it's the Notre Dame Cathedral turned this way, yeah. which I think is beautiful. It has that kind of hell versus heaven demonic kind of feel where it's almost beautiful it's scary kind of feeling i do love that and that's actually one of the things that we watched in the oh, special edition shit that's on this dvd i don't remember blu-ray <laughs> i don't remember um a lot of the designs don't really make logical sense no. like from an architectural standpoint they're just dumb like the core of the ship for example like the the weird funhouse spinning hallway that leads up to the core. Well, he does does try to explain that it helps the demagnetization of the three things that are spinning around the core, but it does build up the suspense and the horror that oh, this place is terrifying looking. Yeah. But then you have that long hallway, that long corridor. That imagine getting stuck in a meteor shower, or you know, being in the middle of a fight. You hit that wrong. You had explosives on that. That whole ship's gone. Yeah. Like, from a design standpoint, as an exploration ship, it sounds really good. But the minute you get in trouble, that ship is kind of as a death Cooper trap. says several times. The ship is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like that was my favorite line, because there's there's not a lot of memorable lines in this movie. There are not. I have to say that <clears throat> this ship is fucked. Is basically or don't hit the ship. Like, it was all about the Lewis and Clark, in my opinion. Like, but I do appreciate the cast. The cast and the characters are fleshed out pretty well. You do know that Parker is having a hard time being away from her son because he's in a wheelchair, he's disabled. You know, she's not, doesn't like being away from him. Um, Smith, obviously, he's the cranky guy with anger issues. Um, his lieutenant, I forget her name every time, Stryker? Stark. Stark. She's very by-the-book, to-the-code lady. You kind of get that gist. I like Cooper. Cooper's always been my favorite. He's no-nonsense, to-the-point kind of dude. Like, hey, you want some coffee. Do you want something hot and black inside of you? Like, <laughs> I see you are the comic relief, sir. And I appreciate your comic relief in some of the bullshit that happens in this movie. Um, you're introduced to Justin, who is Baby Bear the whole movie. I love that. 
Um, and then my favorite is very young Mr. Jason Isaacs. He is probably my favorite character in this. There's actually something really interesting I noticed this time that actually did make me appreciate this movie a little bit. What was that? Uh, so it involves the characters. The dynamic that they create is together is almost like a dysfunctional family. Yeah. So you have like you have Lawrence Fishburne, who's the overbearing father. He even says too weird at one point. Don't you walk away from me, Mister? Yep. Like a dad would. Yep. Um. You have, uh, Jesus, Justin, who's the baby bear. Mm-hmm. Um. Smith, I feel, uh, is the uncle. Smith, yeah, Smith could be like a, um, like a like an angry uncle, mm. or and um, DJ is could be like either another uncle or an over over ugh, older brother or something that's like haunted. An over bro- uh, older brother with a, a lot more anger issues than you think he should have. Yeah. Uh, Cooper is definitely like a ba- uh, big brother to Baby Bear. Yep. Um, and Parker's definitely Parker's like the definitely mom. the mom. Yep. The only uh, I don't know what you'd really classify Stark as in that situation. The really but annoying older sister. Older sister, yeah, I guess. And then the only one that technically doesn't fit in is Weir. Is Weir, which is perfect because yep. he's not supposed to. He's not. Yeah. No. He is. He's supposed to be the. Oh, you're the engineer, you're the doctor. Like, oh, okay, you're here to just be like, you know, we don't know why we're out here. We don't give a fuck about you. Like, what are we doing here? Can we go and go home? Because we don't want to put up with this bullshit. That's all he's there for. It's almost like an adopted uh, foster child that nobody wants around. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) This time around, I noticed, um, because Sam Neill's standing there with, like, no shirt on and he's just in like the uh, the stasis underwear he is built very funny he kind of reminds me of what adam driver looked like in star wars when he's standing there with no shirt on he's very bulky on top and then he goes you're really little see i wouldn't call that built funny i like he's built realistically he, it, he's not chiseled or yeah fucking... he's, he's fit but I'm just looking at him going, he looks like a box. He looks like somebody put a box on a torso for a torso. It's really interesting. And 10 minutes in the movie, we have tits. Was it even 10 minutes? I don't it was know. pretty quick. We couldn't, we wouldn't let us see the time when we paused it, but it was very, very quick. Um, And I remember being a teenager going, oh my God, there's boobies on my TV. <laughs> now I'm like, dumbass, there's boobies on you. <laughs> like, um, Another thing I picked up on this time around was in the camera work mm. so this movie utilizes fairly standard 90s camera techniques for the most part yeah um some dynamic camera moves here and there but i noticed that i think it was right around the time that they were all stuck on the event horizon mm-hmm. that you start seeing anderson utilize dutch angles Really specifically. And um, I'm not sure if you know what a Dutch angle is. I do not. It's essentially when you take the camera and you shift it to one side slightly. Okay. Yeah, Um, he does do that quite a bit. And he does that specifically when shooting Dr. Weir. Um, And I think that 
at least to me, that puts you in his headspace and how his like his perception is skewing to the end. His mind is bending further and further to the point of breaking. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really interesting idea, and like if that was Paul Anderson's intention, kudos. That was a good one. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, because he kind of goes in as a normal guy, and then the minute he, the minute they get into the ship, he just shifts very, very quickly. There's the influence of this entity taking what you're afraid of and almost like romanticizing it. Like, oh, you know, your child's on here. Come play with your kid. You fully well know your kid is on Earth with your ex-husband. Well, it's that same dynamic that... Um... <laughs> Hellraiser utilizes it's the um, like in Hellraiser it's pain is pleasure um, in this it's kind of the same thing like the hellscape is really pure chaos and pain and torment but it's viewed as beauty and yeah you know and almost to a passionate kind of point which is like mm. Uh, one thing that drove me crazy is why is everybody smoking on an aircraft with artificial oxygen, with pure oxygen, in 2040? When were they smoking? They were smoking almost the first half of the movie. They were literally sitting there smoking. Oh, uh, are we talking about like when they do the the explanation of what? Yeah, all and right. Almost all of them are sitting there smoking. It's like you have pure oxygen on board this ship. Why are you smoking? It was the 90s. Like, what? <laughs> um. Oh, before we jump over that, um, that, that explanation scene of uh, what, how the event horizon works. Let me tell you something. That is my next four comments. And this is one of the reasons why I actually do not like this movie anymore. So, um... He, they, they're like, why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we here? Why did you drag us here? He explains it. He's like, in layman's terms, I'll give you the basic scientific. I understood what he said. And I'm an adult. Like, okay, you're basically, you know, bending space. He's using all the terms. And it's like, all right, I get it. And they're like, do you speak English? Like, what the fuck? Why are you all such fucking assholes to this guy? No wonder he turns on you so fucking quickly. Well... Lawrence Fishburne explains it. It's because they were pulled off of a very deserved leave uh, to go on this essential suicide mission. But at the same time, they could have said no. In the military, you really can't say no. Orders are orders. And they are a military salvage team. I didn't... Well, did they say that point blank that they're a military salvage team? Or I thought that it was just a general salvage team. I'm pretty sure they're a... They're a military salvage team. I don't know. They're, well, there's a lot of things like throughout this film that they don't like touch on. Um, like for example, uh, they they work in a lot of things like that are supposed to be like hints toward possible like future things happening, like yeah. hypothetical futures. Yeah. Um. That they're like, oh. Uh, like each of the spacesuits, if you look at each of their suits, they have flags showing like political changes that have happened on Earth in the years leading up to, I think it's 2047. Yeah. 
So, um, like the uh, the British actors wear Europe- European Union flags with 22 stars. So it, it kind of like you don't really know what the political landscape is. Like the military could have divisions like that now mm. and stuff. So I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be military. Oh. The other thing that bothered me is during the scene where they intercepted the transmission and Weir says we couldn't figure out what they're saying in this. But then DJ turns around and goes, it's Latin. You're telling me a team of scientists couldn't figure out that that was Latin? You can even, like, any... Like, a lot of normal people can figure out, oh, that sounds a little bit like a dead language, like Latin. Well... That bo- Like, that... I never noticed it, that. That bothered me. I'm like, wait a minute. It's a plot device. It is a plot device, but this is a top-secret military government... Experiment. Spacecraft experiment. And you're telling me that, oh, we couldn't figure out what this said. What? Well... See, back then, like, when this movie came out, a lot of people probably wouldn't have known what what was Latin. I mean, scientists would have, for sure, but, like, as an average film viewer in, the, in 97, it you probably wouldn't have thought twice about it. Just like uh, the scene in the airlock with Justin. That is riddled with scientific inaccuracy. Absolutely like, riddled. Explosive decompression has basically been disproven at this point. Like, when when you go out into the vacuum of space you essentially just everything freezes yep and you just die there's no um, way for you to he wouldn't have survived that no the minute the decompression started it would have gotten absolutely freezing cold and all of his organs would have shut down from just pure not being able to function right he's bleeding out screaming in space yeah it, it yeah, like, it's a work. vacuum you wouldn't be able to get anything out like that scene four years has been like what? However, I will say, I will, in its defense, that scene builds great tension. Mm. So, like, not only do you have, uh, you have Justin in the airlock talking crazy, the other characters are trying to talk him down, but then you also intercut that with Miller racing to reach him. Like, I think that was pretty. It is a good tense moment. Good. That's where I appreciate the buildup. But I'm very much of, if you're going to make a movie with goddamn roommates squirrels if you're gonna make a movie where you have scientific fact that they have like all of these information at the time like now they just like within the last 10 years have disproven the whole like you're gonna explode the moment you go into space no you deep freeze you're just you're done like there's no there's nothing you can do about that like but now but then like are you really going to bleed out in space? You're not going to bleed out in space like that. Like, I do your research. Just do your research. A movie like this, I can, like, pass over a lot of it. But there's some of it where I'm like, this is a government-funded research, search and rescue of a secret mission. Somebody, somewhere, translated that and knew it was Latin. Like, maybe Weir didn't know it was Latin or wasn't aware of it. But I'm pretty sure if he had a huge debriefing on this mission, somebody would have told him it was Latin. I don't know. It bo- that bothered me that much. One of the things that really did bother me is, and I don't know if this was influence of the ship, 
but they almost hit the event horizon showing up. Like, you're going into the atmosphere, there's clouds, there's atmospheric pressure and shit like that. How do you almost hit the ship? With all the machines going off beeping, telling you to stop. How do you almost hit that ship? That ship is enormous. Another uh, attempt at building tension, really. It was a terrible attempt at building (laughs) tension. Um, But the humor is much needed. The humor in this movie is well-placed. I appreciate the adult humor in this. Where it's all like tension building, here's a little humor. Tension building, here's a little humor. I like that. Um, the umbilicus? They called the connector between the Lois and Clark to the, the umbilicus, and I went, ooh. Oh, that sounds gross. Umbilicus. I hated that. I hated it. I hated it. Did you know that the initial rough cut of this movie. Uh, got the MPAA's Kiss of Death. What is the MPAA's Kiss of Death? An NC-17 rating. Oh. I Honestly, if I was a filmmaker, I'd aim for that shit. Yes, I got an NC-17. Fuck you. <laughs> you know? I guess uh, having just done... Just before this, Paul Anderson did Mortal Kombat, which was PG-13. Wait a minute. He did Mortal Kombat? Yes. Um, so he was very keen to do something much more mature and gruesome. So I can definitely see why he pushed everything up, like, as much as he possibly could. I mean, there's pushing to, like, oh, we're going to push it by a little bit. And then there's pushing it to, oh, here's my idea for these hellscape scenes. What do you guys think? Dude, was Mortal Kombat that hard on you, buddy? He turned down X-Men to do this. I actually am okay with that. Instead, we got Brian Singer. Which X-Men are you talking about? X-Men, X-Men. Hugh Jackman, X-Men. <laughs> I've never seen any of the X-Men movies except for the Phoenix one that just came but out. But you know about them. I know about <laughs> them. It's when everybody's like, oh, X-Men's great. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure. One thing I wish I could have seen this in theater with is that fucking sh- that meat grinder vertigo hallway. Imagine being in the theater in the front row. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, I I definitely have to say, like, a lot of the choices made in this movie, like, visually... For a theater. They work really well. Yeah. Like, it, in 97 especially, these the imagery throughout this film, like, would have been striking and, and it's memorable. It is. Like, there's reasons why that I've returned to this movie so many times in the past. Like, it's a good experience. Visually, it's gorgeous. 
story-wise, I wish it had more to it, yeah. but unfortunately, it is what it is. Like I, I think the ideas are there; they're just not executed with to their full potential. Yeah. Um. Also, raver lights uh, equal advanced technology for the future. Raver lights. Scanning lights. When Justin's in the core room and he's like scanning for life forms, and it's just fucking laser lights. Just, just fucking laser grid lights. I'm well, like, what? Yeah. So, am I hating on this movie too much? I, I think Did it bother me. I honestly think you're picking it apart. I am. Like, I was really upset with this. A lot of these things are done for visual effect. The lights are to showcase the the scanning capability. Like the the only reason you can see the lights the way you can is because of the atmospheric fog that's throughout the whole yeah. fucking ship. Like, I definitely think you're picking it apart a little too hard, but it's not the greatest film ever made. It's not. But I'm going to pick this scene apart. Oh, boy. Justin. Baby Bear. Youngest in the crew. Very eager to please the captain and make everybody like him. Why would you send him into the core room when you know he's just fucking bait for this, 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 like, I, I think that was, once they got the funky feelings going on that ship, why would you send Baby Bear? Why wouldn't you have sent the other girl? Well, they kind of sent everybody everywhere. They did, but I thought sending Baby Bear was terrible. I like Baby Bear, and he's the one that gets mind fucked the hardest. Because he just goes right into the hellscape. Just, oh, look at this in liquid. Oh, cool. You know, I actually thought his performance was, like, the weakest. I thought he did some of the better one. See, I thought in the beginning of the movie, mm. his his performance was really shitty. And then, like, once he got, like, possessed. And he was in the airlock. Then his performance was great. Well, I think he did that intentionally. But it was just so bad at first. I mean, it was he's, so bad. he's a young, eager guy. He's like, yeah, I'm going to please everybody. I'm going to do a great job. Like, uh, And then he gets mind raped. Like, he literally goes into the hell dimension. He's dragged in there. God only know We don't know what he sees. We don't know what he experiences in that probably less than 20-minute session being in there. But yeah, but who I, knows what that felt like to him. It could have been years. It could, honestly, and I think that when... Weir is showing Miller exactly what could be happening. He's only showing, he shows Parker, he shows Baby Bear, and he shows the blonde chick. Stark. Stark. I'm sorry. All (laughs) I can think in my head is I made a joke going, what, right before the movie, I was like, oh, see, we're going to have the, um, Less than cool Laura Dern replacement in this movie. <laughs> That's all I can think of in my head. It was a joke. I apologize. I love both Laura Dern and this blonde lady. I just don't remember her name. I've seen her in a lot of other movies, too. Like, she was big in the 90s. Yeah. In early 2000s. Um, she was I... actually in the 101 Dalmatians live action. Oh, my God. She was. <laughs> With uh, Jeff Daniels. Does that fall in our wheelhouse? I don't know. I'd have to look into it. Her name is Jolie Richardson. Jolie Richardson. 
1996. Guess oh, what crappy Disney fuck. movie I'm making you watch? We still have to watch Cruella, though. I heard it as actually good. Um, That whole room where the core is in reminds me of the laminate configuration, but it's opposite. It's like a different hellscape because the laminate configuration is a box. This is a round core. This is round with spires and spheres and all that. Sorry, microphone. Detail. Um, Well, I'm pretty sure that that room was influenced by the lament configuration. Lament? I thought it was laminate. Lament. Lament. We're going to laminate this configuration. You're going to go to the flat hellscape. Um... I will say this. I believe Smith is the smartest one on that fucking ship. He got the heebie-jeebies right away. Didn't want to be there. He didn't want to mess with it. I think him going after Weir when Weir's mind was bending was the right thing to do. I think if they... He would have just gotten one good hit into Weir. I think it would have been able to maybe, like, snap him a little. I wish we had... I wish this film had delved further into the characters. I wish we had gotten to spend more time with them individually. Smith is one of the ones where, yeah, he's a badass. He's the smarter the, one. But we don't know really what was going through his mind at no, times. No, like, he's just played off as, like, this fearful, like, angry person. And But, like, between him, like, I want to know more about uh, DJ. Yeah. Like, DJ is so interesting in this film. Like, he's the guy, he knows Latin, he's a uh, trauma, um, trauma, not, trauma specialist. Um, yes. Uh, there's actually an element that I only know about because of the special features, but, like, uh, when his death scene, spoiler alert, he dies, but... Um, he just hangs around. He though. gets cut open by Weir, and when... He, when they show you uh, his shirt getting ripped open, he has a huge, huge surgical they scar. They left this huge scar out. And, like, I want to know, like, where did that scar come from? And, like, because you're supposed to somehow get that he has a fear of being operated on. So, like, his death... All the deaths in this movie are supposed to pertain to each of the characters' fears. Yep. And his is that, but you never learn that yeah. about him. And I wish we had before seeing that. Like, one of the big things that draws me to DJ is when Smith and Weir are fighting, he grabs a fucking scalpel and puts it to Smith's neck and calmly is like, are you going to stop? Are you going to calm down? And the entire crew, even Miller, calmly back away. Like, they know something's up with DJ. Like, they're not afraid of Smith, even though he shows the tough guy persona. It's DJ. They're like... Guys. It's always the quiet ones. Oh, it's all, oh my God, Jason <laughs> Isaacs, man, I love that guy. Ooh. Uh, we also get there's a little bit of uh, influence from The Shining in one scene in this movie. Oh, we're uh, we're um. I almost said I almost said second Laura Dern. God damn it, Jolie Richardson. Or Stark sees the blood and just ooh, rush just, out of oh the fucking but tank. But that is a practical effect. That is a practical and I believe effect. that is actually her. <laughs> so Solid. you've got you've got the sugar glass and what is dyed water, I believe. Yeah, because blood would be too viscous, too thick. Holy shit! Like sh- by the end of this movie, that girl has been. Hit in the head, almost drowned, covered in glass, beaten the shit out of, 
like almost sucked into space. She's the one that I'm like, yeah, no, Cooper was stuck in space for a little bit. I'll get to how that all is bullshit. But she gets the most abusive, like all of them. Like, yeah, Baby Bear goes into the dimension, but he's essentially after the the airlock thing. He's done. You don't see that guy perform at all no. for the rest of the film. I'm actually kind of surprised. There's a few moments in this movie that are like what would be classified as stunts that the actual actors yeah. are doing. Like uh, two that stuck out to me was like right when um, they're all in the uh, what do you call it? It's like the command deck of the event oh, horizon. Yeah, the bridge. And like things are starting to blow up everywhere and like it's one shot. It's like Sam Neill and um, Stark. There, Jolie. Um, we both can't do this with her. Her name is hard to remember, yeah. but um, they're both sitting next to each other, and like the console next to them explodes, and like it's clearly those two actors. Yep. And all this debris comes flying at and them. Smith, the whole front explodes, and he tumbles back, and you're looking right at this guy's face you're like that's not a stunt actor that's that actor yeah. rolling away from all of these sparks and debris that's badass and fucking towards the end of the movie there's that uh one specific shot at least of fucking Lawrence Fishburne when his arm is literally on fire and yes, he falls that back is into him. the water because you can tell the the scenes where <clears throat> he's just wearing the it's a stuntman wearing the mat, the Lawrence Fishburne mask yeah. his face is a little too swollen hitting the side and then rolling down but then you see Lawrence's face like like that's actually awesome going in the water you're like damn it's surprising when you whenever you get an actor to actually do a stunt He's like, like yeah, that I'll do my own stunts you know the risks involved yeah I have a nice scar from this movie that's pretty, <laughs> pretty badass didn't Jason Isaacs at one point when they were um doing the scene like this didn't they say that they somehow rigged him to suspend to kind of give it more of a a feeling then there was more practical with it which scene are we talking the about the one here? where he's hang- where he's just hanging around um the scene after he gets his guts ripped out of him i i feel like I in don't the special remember. edition there was something about him like oh yeah when i was up there and i'm like that's a lot of cg but they could have practically done that somehow yeah but all i remember is wait Jason Isaacs is a badass for doing more with that scene, which I thought was cool. Um, also, isn't that scene where he was like, I really want to take myself home, but they wouldn't let me? I don't... The the dummy of him being cut open. Oh, yeah, He wanted yeah, to take yeah, it yeah. home, but they wouldn't let him. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I wanted my decapitated, you know, boweled um, <laughs> corpse at home. <laughs> oh, what's one of the moments I wrote? Oh, oh God! Where is it? Where is it? Oh, Dino Van Man versus the Wizard. That's what I called that scene. Dino Man versus, versus the, the wizard. wizard. Yeah, because Jason Isaacs plays Lucius Malfoy. Oh. And Sam Neill is Doctor Grant, right? Doctor yes, Grant. Yes, Doctor Grant. Oh, I almost. I almost got a whole group of people mad at me. <laughs> but I was like, oh, Dino Man versus the Wizard. The Dino Man wins. <laughs> Dinosaur Man. Um, so once the Lois and Clark blow up, they only have 20 hours to fix everything or else they lose oxygen. Yes. Which I believe, it's a hell of a time crunch. 
That is a hell of a time crunch. Like knowing that you have to fix a hull breach, make sure that you don't use all the oxygen. And that ship is huge. So all the scrubbers that they bring over from the Lois and Clark to the Event Horizon, you're using a lot. You're wasting a lot of your resources to keep the air on, really, in my opinion. I was really like, I was really aggravated when Miller and everybody would always be like, Dr. Weir, what's going on? What's going on? What's what's happening? Explain to me where the ship went. The fucking man doesn't know. His brain is breaking just like the rest of yours. How is he supposed to know where this ship has been when he's in the dark just much as everybody else? And I know it's a panic response. Yes. But I was getting more and more aggravated with that. It's very much like you have to look at it in the sense that they're all terrified. They're all trying to figure out what's going on. And he's the only one that would have any technical idea of how this ship works, where it's been, what's going on. But it's like they vilified him from the beginning for no reason. They did, for sure. And for different reasons. Yeah. But... Any one of those people could have been corrupted by the core. Miller could have been corrupted by the core. You know, uh, but it it took the fact that Weir's mind was just easily more breakable than the rest of them. And I feel like they are part of the reason why he was like, nope, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any guilt sucking y'all in with me because you guys have just... made me the villain from the beginning. Well, you also have to take into account that he's still dealing with the suicide of his wife, which was somewhat his fault because he wasn't... He was too busy working on this project Mm. to uh, be around for her when she needed him most. Yeah. Which is, like, it's downplayed a bit in the movie, but, like, he's haunted by her... her Effigy. And that's another story I wish they fleshed out more. What happened? Like, you're telling me that, like, yes, there is his wife's suicide, and we see it almost, we see it almost played out. Where did that get to that point? Like, what, why was he so, like, there's a lot, this movie has a lot more questions about the characters than I'd like. Usually I have questions about the plot. I know where the plot goes. I know what happens. It is cut and dry. The characters just are fleshed out in weird ways. I appreciate the stories of them. I just want... I want more to love them even more. Yeah. uh, This movie doesn't... It doesn't hold up, in my opinion, anymore. And, Mm. like, I wish it did. Because I I do remember really enjoying this movie when I was younger. Mm. Now, I've seen so many better things that, like, I just don't uh i don't feel like this this works and honestly i don't have a lot to say about it it's no. kind of maybe it's the fact that this movie's been wa- like covered by so many other content creators and like everything has basically been said about it that can be said but i don't know i just don't have a lot of opinions but i honestly understand why it is a cult classic Yes, I definitely get it. It's definitely, it's what introduced me to cosmic horror. It introduced me to that slight hellscapian thought of, like, oh, what if the, pause, want to bang the roof again? 
Did it jump? Did you hear it jump? <laughs> um, it kind of gave me that, like, ooh, space isn't all like, hey, let's go explore. Like, there could be scary fucking shit out there that we don't even understand. And that's why I think I love this movie so much, because I'm a huge... I love cosmic horror. I've always loved, you know, uh, Cthulhu and Lovecraft and stuff. We live in Rhode Island. How can you not, like, <laughs> at least kind of go, oh, what's Lovecraft, you know? Yeah. Cosmic horror has been something I've been into for a very long time. Uh, prior to this, technically, I had been introduced to it by Stephen King's It. But that's a different type of cosmic yeah. horror, in my opinion. I like how um, everybody's different ideas of cosmic horror. It's still cosmic horror, but the possibilities are fucking endless with cosmic well, horror. Well, because you're dealing with an idea so large that, like, you're essentially just focusing on the idea that, of the unknown. Like, something that you cannot fathom being uh, against you. And it's knowing that that's pure you'll terror. never win. You're not going to win against a cosmic horror. There is no physical way a small human being could win against what could be as massive as a fucking galaxy, as terrifying as anything else you've imagined. And I like that unknown. And it's the reason why people are like, oh, are you really excited about outer space travel? No, no, oh, I'm not. No. Nope. I don't <laughs> care if I never see it in my lifetime. Go touch the moon. Go take pictures of Mars. That's great. I don't want to know the rest. I would like to be dead and gone for years before they're like, oh, we found aliens. Great. Wonderful. Lovely. Bye. I'll fuck with demons. I'm okay with ghosts. I'm okay with all that spooky stuff. The minute you're like aliens, I'm like peace i'm out i gotta go i'll see you later bye <laughs> but i really don't have much more about this movie like i have a lot of notes but we've pretty much jumped and covered them yeah lawrence Bish fishburn i feel like this is a precursor to oh my god what is his character in fucking matrix Me uh <gasps> Morpheus. Morpheus. It's that badass, I don't give a fuck, I'm not messing with anything. I love that character. And he kind of is that in The Matrix. Sort of. Sort of. So I, I appreciate him. I appreciate Jason Isaacs. I really do. Um, Other than that, like, it's a lot of... There's a lot of hate. <laughs> there's a lot of hate in these notes. I... Oh. The one thing I'm bummed about is Smith dies. I wish Smith survived. I wish Smith's pride let him get off that fucking ship. He would have survived if he just listened to Miller and got off that ship. Hey, there's a bright note. Hmm. Cooper lives. Cooper lives. The comic relief. The comic relief because he said... The my black comic relief, by the way. Yes. Does not die in this no, film. He That's does not. very surprising for a 90s horror. And he keeps that same like mentality it's like cooper doesn't get messed with because he was repairing the ship smith doesn't get messed with because they stayed on the lowest clark they really didn't step foot into more than the decompression chamber in the event horizon it's everybody else that got on there did stark really get stark really didn't get messed with mentally she more got like the physical yeah not shit. that we saw no 
it was like the only the people that had like regrets or fears that could be messed with yeah i don't know uh surprisingly this movie's kind of now that i think about it this movie's kind of progressive for a 90s film yeah so like not only do you like you have the uh african-american comic relief survives the whole movie yep um but also the uh one of the females survive one of the females survive Lawrence fishburne is the hero in the end he's like nope you're not taking my crew i'm sacrificing myself fuck you by the way i have to mention that i absolutely did love the notion that he he miller literally had to actually reach through hellfire in the end in order to save his crew he's terrified of fire because of what he but went through with his friend that died in space in a fire he literally has to i gotta brave like, this in reach order through to the save flames to get the detonator yep and save his crew that's awesome uh, the ending of this movie is great because it's it's uh weir gets his he gets part of the crew he gets parker he gets dj he gets smith he yeah. gets miller but he doesn't get the other three, so he doesn't get everyone. Right. And I think that's nice because they could have just ended it on all of them go back, which would have been interesting. Also putting it in kind of a possible future movies, but I'm glad that this was a one-and-done scenario movie. There's never yeah. been any talk about a second one for this. Thank God. I don't know if any of us would be able to handle a second film um i also think that that i've always found that final fight scene to be so slapsticky with the like fake punches very loud fake wacky punch sounds and like lawrence fishburne swinging that thing at weird the tuber goes you can't have my crew oh my god <laughs> like, i was hoping that for the remaster that they did they to get those effects out like guys well Ugh. that's one of the things like with these remasters you can see where and, they where the budget went it was yeah, not in that <laughs> with these remasters and uh collector's editions and stuff they they preserve what the movie is they don't try to change it it's not Star Wars. It's Even not George Lucas. Even if they're sitting Lucas. there going, oh, God, guys, oh, can we? Which nope, okay. We're not I honestly it. appreciate that they don't try to change it. They just try to give you the best possible scan of the movie yeah. that they can get. And I look, now with these scans, I look for flaws. There was one flaw, single flaw, and I pointed it out to you, where it's DJ and Miller talking in the cryostasis area. There's a scene where DJ's sitting there, and behind his left shoulder, you can see the plexiglass, the green plexiglass, moving like this. To where it's not just a solid glass tank, it's moving. That is the only error I can see in this whole movie. Besides the practical with the clamp. Yeah. that That's neither here nor there. That was tough in the 90s. That's not too bad. No. One error. And this is a Blu-ray remaster scan. Yeah. To a movie that... They probably didn't think would have that kind of quality to it. Right. That's where it holds up. It's I think it's great. You the story captivates you so much you don't pay attention to the bad fire. Like when the fire's coming at Miller 
when he's in the courtroom about ready to have that big oh, fight. You can a... see the straight line fire, oh and you're God. like, it. That always was like that seems silly, Thankfully but how it are you gonna? Quick. Yeah, like it's very <laughs> fast, and you don't. You're like, oh, it's it's silly, but it's not taking me out of it completely. It makes me laugh. Yeah, but um. I feel like before they went into cryostasis, after the lifeboat went, they should have had Cooper put the suit back on and go outside the ship and spray paint uh, a warning <laughs> to the lifeboat. Like, if you come in here, you're risking your own life. Stay the fuck away. Get, run. Get us out and run. Like, because <laughs> it just made me laugh. Um, And then it ends with Miller getting sucked into the end of the dimension with Weir. And the other three are, you assume they're safe, but you don't know because now Stark is having nightmares. Could be trauma nightmares because that's a lot of trauma you're going through. Well, I always took that that final little moment as A, a jump scare ending because horror films had to have them. But I, I personally think that it was just to kind of cement that Sure, they they got out of this nightmare, but it's never gonna go. Away. It's never gonna leave them. Like yeah. this experience is always gonna haunt them. This is this is one where the three of them are gonna be like, and we're retired. We're never going to space again. Bye. Yeah. Um, <sighs> overall thoughts about the film? I have very mixed emotions about this film. I love this film growing up. I thought this was one of the greatest horror movies. You have shown me less impressive ones that I love more like right now to this day I think the best horror movie we can't cover it on the podcast because it's out of our wheelhouse the best horror movie you have shown me is the autopsy of Jane Doe so far that was incredible the way they built up the tension the way they built up the suspense the way it's just you are very much a new horror person yeah i do i like but i'm not going for ridiculous jump scares or craziness i like the fact that there is a body on a table and you're just going through all of this being like is it psychological is it fucking supernatural like that movie shocked me but also i have not seen even half or even 80 percent of what you have so there could be another movie down the line where I think is incredible. I, well, there's one movie in our wheelhouse that I first saw it a couple of years ago, loved it. I'm afraid I'm not going to like it when we watch it for the podcast because we're going to. We're going to touch on this movie and you're going to love it. I really don't know how I feel about The Shining. Well, when we get to that. That's going to be that's gonna be a long your, one, guys. Your opinion is going to be valid no matter what because there's a lot of people who don't like that movie and you know what i think spoiled it dr sleep no you don't think Doctor no because prior to that there's a lot of people who just didn't like it really most of them were king purists who like the book because that movie changes a lot from the book and people were like no that's not how it's supposed to be this is bullshit but it's a re any any time you have a book a movie it's a retelling it's a reimaginative yeah. I, I love Lord of the Rings. The book is long. There are parts that are so long. And I've read Lord of the Rings a couple of times. It is hard for me to get through that book. It is, or, or all three books. Like my book, my, my copy of the book is one whole book. It's not three parts. 
it's this thick. It is hard to get through. I love Tolkien. I do. Like, the dedication for Tolkien is ridiculous for me. But I like the movies better. The visuals are beautiful. Peter Jackson did an amazing job with those movies. We can't cover them on the podcast because they came out in 2001. First one. So, so pissed. But at the same time, you can have people who love the book, purely love the book and think the movie's shit. Or you have people that purely love the movie and think the book's shit. It's everybody's perspective. Nobody's wrong. That's why opinions are great. Like, you could disagree with us wholeheartedly. Love this movie and never want to f- listen to this podcast again. We your understand. Opi- I hope that's not the case. I but hope, we understand. I, honestly. <laughs> but your opinion's not wrong either. Nobody's opinions are wrong. They're your opinions. That's why ha- being, like, humans is great. You can see, oh, I never thought of it from your perspective. Why am I ripping on this movie so hard right now? Maybe I'm just disappointed. Maybe the, because we've watched a lot of other films. Or maybe it's because I have a newer appreciation of cosmic horror and I think this did a piss poor job at fleshing out character stories. There was a lot of plot holes. Well, I agree. Uh, from a cosmic horror standpoint especially, it just doesn't land the way cosmic horror should. It has... This is a science fiction horror with elements of cosmic mm. horror more than anything um personally i loved this movie growing up i still enjoy it for what it is but it's not what i want it to be anymore yeah it's not like i've seen so much better examples of this type of film now and i just don't I don't know. I don't think it holds up as well. The performances are still great. The effects are still great. Like mm. the gore, what we do get is awesome. Oh my god, it's it's intense um, and it's amazing at the same time. However unrealistic some of it might be. Uh, yeah. It's uh I don't know. I I I just wish it was better. There's one gore scene where Weir is in the um the chamber with the black hole thing and he's ripping his eyes out but he's ripping his eyes out like this there's bone right here (laughs) like if it was here i'd understand but he's in his eyebrows and i'm like yeah no more (laughs) like that's where it loses me but still like the visuals and the dramatic effect are there yeah like i won't i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh paul anderson your movie sucks and you should feel bad no it's still a good movie it's just not enough. It's not... It, it, for, for when we had it, when we were younger, it was great. Now, there's better. This is one where it's like, I'm glad I own it. I'm glad I bought it. I have the collector's edition. It looks really nice on the shelf. It's gonna stay there. Favorites. Oh my god, I love Smith. I do. I love Smith. I think he's a great character. I wanted more out of Smith. I wanted him to be a little more tortured. I wanted more of his backstory. Why is he so angry? Why is he like about ready to fight we're like constantly from the be- not from like the middle but from the beginning he was just like all right yeah this is bullshit bye like um my line my favorite line in this whole movie is cooper coming back in from outside he just boot he just wastes all of his oxygen to boost him to the ship and he's like don't hit me <laughs> you coming in with the axes and shit just hearing that little don't hit me. Like, that's it. Now I, I lose my fucking mind every time. I'm like, that's so cute. 
Um, I will say my favorite scene is DJ's scene. Just knowing what I know now about him having that huge scar and knowing his fear of going under the knife again and physically being slowly cut by Weir and killed that way, that is my favorite scene because Jason Isaacs gives you his entire feelings just in his eyes. Like, oh, there is a reason why this man is such an amazing actor. Like, those scenes in the last two movies for Harry Potter where you just, or the last four, where you just see Lucius deteriorate from I'm a Death Eater to Voldemort doesn't care about me and my family to I want out to lanky, terrible, horrible looking. And they just grab each other as a family and walk the fuck away. Like, yeah. his performance is in his face. And I can't think of any other movies he's in right now because these are the only two that sit with me. But he is an amazing facial performer. He doesn't get enough work. He doesn't. As far as I'm concerned. He he is a fantastic actor. Hollywood, call Mr. Isaacs because I need more of that facial acting. It doesn't matter if in this movie where he, I believe he was in his 20s or 30s. And now he's in his 50s. That man, his eyes are he can act with just those eyes alone. It's perfect. I, oh. Oh, he's incredible. If I ever meet that man, I'm going to be like, can I just stare in your eyes for a good, like, 20 <laughs> seconds? It's not creepy. I just want to know how you feel, you know? Well, I definitely have a few favorites. As always, uh, I wrote down all my favorite lines. Um, <laughs> first one would have to be, there's no way I'm getting on that bastard. Yep. <laughs> Smith. Uh, uh, basically, most of Cooper's dialogue throughout the film is hilarious. You want something uh, hot the, and the black inside one, of you? That's the best one. By you, Stark. You want something hot and black inside you? It's coffee. <laughs> She's talking about coffee, guys. It's coffee. Uh, Sam Neill's explanation on the gravity drive. Um, it was iconic then. It's been ripped off completely so line for many. line by so many other yep. films. Um, <laughs> I love uh, my absolute favorite scene in the whole movie is that moment when DJ holds the knife to Smith's throat. That's intense. Because it perfectly illustrates the mental strain that all these characters are under. Yep. Um, and I think my favorite line of the whole movie because of it's so well placed is right after right when the crew are watching the the violent footage of the former crew and Miller turns it off and just goes we're leaving. Yep. <laughs> it's just perfect. Get out. We're done. Adios motherfuckers. Does it work? No. It does not. It doesn't work because it's missing so much. It's it is a good movie. But it would be great if it wasn't missing those small little plot holes. The whole thing about DJ and his scar. Like, there's a whole scene we're missing about Weir and the Event Horizon when they find out it's back. There's numerous scenes throughout the ship that we're missing that are character-building moments that were taken out for more tension, for more horror. I would have liked to have seen a little more of Weir's psychological break throughout the movie to where like oh he's gonna be the main bad guy he's not the main bad guy he's just a pawn and I wish it would have been more of like him breaking down because he goes from 
what's happening to instant bad guy. And there's more I know in the middle. It, it doesn't work for me now. It did back then. But it doesn't because there are so many more movies, even shittier movies, that work so much better because they flesh out the story even if the, the, the movie as a whole isn't great. So, nope, it does not work. I have to agree. Like, I don't think it really works anymore. Um, visually, the movie works great. The performances ha- are, for the most part, good, but the plot, the story, just does isn't enough. Yeah. Like, I think it, the elements are there. They just didn't flesh them out enough. They didn't do enough with it. Uh, I don't think it's a bad experience. No. I, I think anybody could still watch it today and find some enjoyment in it. It's just not... It's not going to be super memorable. It's not the movie you reach for when you're like, oh, I really want to watch... It's, it's a rainy Sunday. I want to watch a movie. This isn't what you're reaching for. Uh, you might throw this on if you're, like, cleaning the house or something. But... Or, you know, your friends are over and you guys want a background music while or background noise while you're gaming. Yeah. That's a big thing where I see a lot of people put on, like, YouTube or movies or series in the background when they're gaming. Like, this is one of those that I'd put on if I was playing, like, I don't know, an alien game. Like alien, alien isolation yes, or something like that. I'd put like this that. on because it would add to the element of like, oh my god, I'm in space. I'm you know, gonna get fucked up by an alien. Like this would add to it. I, uh, yeah. Would you recommend it? I still would recommend this. I would recommend it as. Do you want to see what '90s horror looked like? This is a good example of late '90s horror, of what, like. Of what the ideas were without without the use of, like, technology. There was no real, like, technology ev- evidence. There was, like, iPad. You could see some sort of, like, things like that. But, like, they had minimal imagination with the technology part. So it's a good time capsule of that horror el- error. Well, alright. So, first of all, yes, I would also... I would recommend it to the right people mm-hmm. i would recommend it to people who just like generic horror um i think anybody like that would who like gore people who like gore yeah um at least marginal gore yeah uh this is this is a baby step into the gore stuff though i do think you're right about the technology but however i do also think that because of the influences that this movie has hellraiser and alien specifically yeah alien was essentially truckers in space so there isn't much in terms of technology in that movie. And I think that's the same thing that they were going for here. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely, I think people will still enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I'd probably recommend it to most of like my family. Uh, if they wanted a, a horror film, I'd be like, yeah, check out event horizon. Yeah. I mean, I'd recommend this to like my siblings. They probably I, would love this. I wouldn't recommend this to, Die hard horror fans. No, like people who they are... will laugh at you. They will. They'll be like, "Why are you picking this movie?" Like, um, it's a fun ride on an afternoon when you got nothing to do. Like, if you're looking for like extreme horror, don't watch Event Horizon. No. There's so many better options. If somebody's like, "Oh, I kind of want to watch a horror movie," what would you recommend? Here you go. They would be fucking mortified by this movie. They would. 
But somebody who's like, oh, my favorite movie to watch on the weekend is fucking, uh, I don't know, uh, Hellraiser and fucking um, Drag Me to Hell. No, I only pulled Drag Me Out of Hell because I saw it on a Facebook Well, post. I'd recommend this to those people. Oh, you would recommend? Yeah. See, I would be like, eh, okay, this is a fun romp, but it's nothing like those. I'm saying, like, people who are, like, looking for, like, the most shocking shit ever seen. The people that are waiting for the third installment of In Into the Darkness. The 80s. Those people have all seen this. Yeah, those people are like, <laughs> this is this is child's play. Huh? Another horror movie. Um... Uh, how would you do this differently today? Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch this one. I'd leave this where it is. I, I only because I believe this has done been done several times. Event Horizon was like the first, but I think others have tried to do it again. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch this one. I'd leave it where it is. You see, I have to disagree. Really. I personally think that this is a movie that, like, it doesn't need one, but I think it could benefit greatly from a a well, like, from someone who was willing to take the time to reinvent this film. Limited series? Limited series could be very interesting. It would flesh out the characters a lot more where you take an episode and see the character. Yeah. Oh, now I've got an idea where you take a character each episode and you go from start to finish and you see the whole journey of them, but you don't see the other characters' stories. So you do one at a time and then a culmination of the end of all of them. I think I think if you were to do this as a limited series, you'd have to do it like any other. Give everybody enough time, but like delve deeper into each of them yeah. along the way. And I think, I don't know, I think this could be even just a really well-crafted remake would be very beneficial. Like, I think you could do yeah. a lot more with this. Don't lose the footage, guys. <laughs> Just don't lose the footage. Just don't lose the footage. I know that that footage is probably some of the most terrifying because you've told me details about where there were actual prostitutes that they hired for that scene. I believe... Or the rumor mill? Yeah, because, like, if you look very closely into... There is a little those, bit of sex happening. There's, like, people, like, fucking other people while cutting them open and shit. It's, it's pretty violent. It's, pretty, it's very violent. And I... Uh, back then, I was like, oh, that's so scary. Now, morbid curiosity. I'm like, I want to see the uncut version. And that's what drew me to it. Because they were like, guys, we think we found it. And my heart broke every time they were like, no, that wasn't it. We're going to keep searching. And I was like, no. You see... It's when you talk about that type of stuff that makes me wonder if you, if it would be worth watching some of the like SOV shot on video ultra violent films. Look, the only one <laughs> right now I will not watch is Slaughtered Vomit Dolls. That sounds horrifying. That, that is, is horrifying. That is the only I can't handle. I can't that handle is, the uh, noise. That's not horrifying. That's pure grotesque no that's the only one i mean (laughs) you've talked about august underground quite a few times i'm very tempted to see how long i would last i mean there's some ultra violent shit and maybe we'll get into some of that eventually maybe that's gonna have to be something that if we get into it's gonna be have to be like so uh, on a website selected people like that's gonna be a lot that might actually have to be a 
a limited series for us. That might actually have to be a whole different podcast in and of itself. But there's a whole genre of movies that we can't really get into. What do you guys think? You want to see us cover some of that level of shit? Let us know. Maybe we'll eventually do it. (sighs) Um, is this exploitation or other? Yes. I say it is other because it's cosmic horror. It's horror. And it's got the whole, like, grotesque gore kind of, like, that that one scene that it was, like, everybody knows that that, all of that horrifying stuff is in it. So, yes, I'm going to say this was exploitation. I will respectfully disagree. This respectfully? Was, this was not exploitation. What? Um This was just standard 90s horror. Like, this was... But it was... broke... It broke the the mold for nobody was doing this grotesque, this horrifying, this like. People had done much worse, much sooner. I don't know shit about movies. <laughs> I don't. I know this absolutely is, nothing. I don't think this was uh, this qualifies at all. It, it, this is just a standard '90s film, personally. <gasps> standard '90s film is she's all that. And... Standard '90s horror. All right, thank you. <laughs> Say, let's talk about you know ten things I hate about you is standard '90s film. You have anything else to add to this discussion? Look, Paul Anderson, let me talk to you for a second. I am a faithful Resident Evil fan. Faithful. I love Resident Evil. I love everything. I love Mila Jovovich from Resident Evil, Fifth Element, all of her crazy acting. Like I've followed her career. Like I loved this movie growing up I don't love it as much now as an adult only because there is better I will never say don't watch this this is stupid it's not it's not stupid the ideas were there they were great I wish you would have tried a little harder but I'm still a fan I will never not be a fan of his stuff I still think Resident Evil is your best film We'll get to that eventually. As he shudders in his chair. As he's like, we are broken up now. Get out of my house. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. Um, (laughs) That's if I say Shining is the worst movie ever made. Everybody can be wrong. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. That brings this discussion to an end. But don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose. To return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What 
day is it? The date? 12th May, Thursday. What year? Assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Where does it want me? Why me? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. Are no. you prepared? No. Are you excited? I hate Terminator. I hate Terminator. I hate the series. I think they're stupid. But you loved Event Horizon. I? So, there's a chance you could change your mind. Oh. My dad would watch these. On, like, Saturday and Sunday afternoon, because they'd be on, like, TNT and shit. I hated these movies. But, as a kid, I hated Predator, and I grew to love Predator. I'm hoping I can change your mind with at least this one. Because there's a different side to this, which we will get into in the next episode. That I'm hoping you'll be able to see it from. I'm hoping you'll be able to look at it a different way. I don't want to do this one. I don't want to. It's going to be fun. (sighs) For more recommendations on films or coffees that you should check out, if you want to... If you want to check us, uh, check out our movie collection, um, it, or see some fun behind the scenes, or chat with us, uh, recommend us some movies, check us out and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. Um, find us on our Discord, where you can mostly just chat with Leah, and. Uh, <laughs> All the links for all of that are going to be down in the show notes. Um, listen to us and give us five stars on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. Um, new episodes can be found first thing every Monday morning. If you're listening to the podcast and want a more visual experience, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can see every episode in its entirety with video. Um, if you like what we're doing and you want to show us some support, all that information's down in the show notes as well. Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thank you for listening, and keep watching. Bye, kids.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.